My name is Cassie Odom, and I'm your kids' pastor. And <laughs> so, while we're honoring our moms today, I get the wonderful opportunity to tell you about my mom. Um, I don't know about you and how you mother, or if, as a child, how your mom mothered you, but my mom would ask us tests all the time, all these questions. So we had to be ready. Like, what are we gonna, what are we gonna get asked today? So a lot of times it would be, what is the most important thing I have ever told you? So my brother and I, you know, we'd sit there and we'd think like, okay, what could that be? Um, Is it that Texas A&M is the only college you can go to? Or, you know, is it that Dr. Pepper is the only drink allowed in our home? Like, you know, just all these questions. We had to be ready. And then I would always remember, I was like, oh, yeah, Mom, Jesus. Like, you just want us to know that Jesus is the most important thing in our life. And she would just always dramatically... Okay, I have a big sigh. I've done my job. I'm good. We're good now. But my mom loved Jesus with all of her heart. And she just left a legacy for my family to follow through with how much she loved Jesus. Um, and she loved people so much. Like, she just wanted, if she knew, if she knew you, she wanted you to know that she knew Jesus. Um, she was a prayer warrior and a woman of faith that just was an anchor for our family and how much she believed that God could do anything. So um, I remember growing up, seeing her, just always reading her Bible, studying it, always praying. If she met you, she prayed for you. And she wrote your name down in a binder that we found after she passed away. And it was just full of all these names, like pages full of names that she just prayed for all the time. And she trusted and believed that God would take care of every need that was on that paper or that 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 person had. Even if she didn't know it, she just trusted and believed that God would take care of that. So when I was 10 years old and she was 37, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I tell you, she praised God when she got that diagnosis. She praised God on every mountaintop in her life and at every low point. And she even said that she was glad that she carried that burden for our family and that it wasn't anyone else that had to do that. She knew that she was part of God's bigger plan, and that was to bring glory to his name through, through using her. So... She um, served faithfully in the kids' ministry at our church. She had um, a 20-year career in hospice, and she wanted everyone to know that through those things, she still was glorifying God through the good times and the bad. Um, She'd be glorifying God when she's getting her blood work done or when she's having a test done. It didn't matter where she was. She wanted to glorify the Lord. So she lived one month and one day after our wedding. She was able to come and see it, and it was just um, such a blessing that she was there and I just never forget um as we're all crowded in our living room as she's on hospice herself and taking her last breaths we're all just just as close as we could be soaking up every second we just didn't want to miss one moment of her life and my brother just loudly proclaimed as as soon as she took her last breath mom you did it you're seeing Jesus right now And that completely changed the outlook um, for me of losing my mom because I knew right at that moment that she was with Jesus and she's worshiping him. And I feel the closest to my mom when I'm here at church worshiping the Lord because I know she's doing the same thing and we're doing that together. And she has a fully restored body and there's no more hurt. There's no more pain. There's no more tests, clinical trials, radiation, chemo, any of those things. She's with our Lord, and it's just a blessing and a, an honor to, to live on in her legacy. So after she passed away, um, we were going through some of her things, and we found that journal that had all those names written in it, and then she just had a wealth of 
knowledge written down. So we, um, we printed it out, and I just wanted to share a couple of words from my mom's journal. Some of it is her wisdom, and some of it is scripture, but I hope it encourages you today wherever you find yourself with the Lord. So she says, don't let the sun go down on anger because it gives the enemy a foothold. There is shame-based anger. Loving kindness, love in the morning, and faithfulness in the evening. In God alone, my soul waits. Faith is cleaning our soul with wisdom, power, and goodness. He can fix our problems. I try to figure it out. He has already worked it out. And finally, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, which is really appropriate that she wrote this. The devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. The God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, he will himself restore and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power and glory forever and ever. Love, Mom. So, happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Cassie. Why don't you grab your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Yesterday I had a Mother's Day dilemma. You know, it's Mother's Day weekend, and my mom listens to these podcasts, so happy Mother's Day to you, Mom. Again, if you're listening to this, which you should. (laughs) So yesterday, Mother's Day weekend, my mom texts me a picture of herself, uh, which is just weird by itself. I mean, my mom was, you know, taking a selfie and sending it to me, just very weird. You know, if you had told me 15 years ago that one day your mom will take a picture of herself with her phone and send it to your phone, I would have been horrified. And I was indeed horrified yesterday because my mom in this picture is wearing a fanny pack. Now, we're going on a little trip with my parents in a couple of weeks, and it's the kind of place that a fanny pack might actually be a little bit helpful, but it's still a fanny pack. You know, so I have this Mother's Day dilemma, you know, Mother's Day weekend, you have to honor your mom, but she's wearing a fanny pack. And so I don't know how to say, I don't want to be with you if you're wearing a fanny pack and honor my mom at the same time. I don't know if those two things together, but I feel very strongly about both of them. You know, thankfully, she was just kidding. It was all a practical joke. Which is great, but the woman still owns a fanny pack, so it's in her, I guess. I don't, I'm a little nervous. But that's not just a Mother's Day weekend dilemma. That's an everyday dilemma. You know, whether or not to give honor when you don't necessarily want to give honor. To give honor to someone even though you feel like not giving honor to them. To lift up somebody to show tangibly how much you respect and value them, even though at this moment you may not respect and value them that much. That's an everyday dilemma, whether or not we are going to be the kind of people who honor other people. And you might be like, well, why does it even matter? Because we're going to see from the scripture, 
If you follow Jesus, you are supposed to be a person who gives and shows honor. No matter what. So, Romans chapter 12. This is what it says in verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. And then here it is. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now he's writing to the church in Rome and and what he's saying is that the church in Rome and all of its various homes and meeting places that it, it should be a house of honor. If it is the house of God on planet earth which we know from scripture the church is then that house should be a house of honor. And you should outdo one another in showing honor. It means that we have permission here to compete. You don't get that permission very often in the scripture. In fact, it's usually discouraging us from competing about, you know, how big your house is or how much money you make or uh, the kinds of things that you get to do or what your kids are doing. It's going to prevent us from comparing ourselves and competing. But here we actually get permission to outdo one another in honor, to have a house of honor. Where do you have influence? You have influence here as a part of this family. You have influence in your home in your house, whether you're the husband or the wife or the children. You may have influence at work. Maybe you have some people that you manage or you just may be on a, a team at work. Wherever you have influence, it should be a place of honor when it is in your power to make it so. Because we are supposed to outdo one another in showing honor. Now, honor works best when it's what he's saying, when everybody is participating. You know, honor is hard when one person feels like their job is to receive honor and another person feels like it's their job to give honor. That's harder. But that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, lift up a few people and show them a lot of honor. No, he's saying everybody outdo one another in showing everyone honor. You know, it's like we see in the scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul, he gives the different roles for a husband and wife and the children in the home. You know, and it it starts by saying that husbands should love uh, the wife as Christ loved the church. Men, that's your job. And then what does it say about the women? It's kind of unfortunate, right? Wives, submit to your husbands. But the good news is, is that right before that, it says that we should be submitted to one another in reverence to Christ. So what that means is in a marriage, there's two kinds of submission going on. The first kind is the husband and wife submitting themselves together. So a marriage works best not when one person gets lifted up and all the honor goes to them and all the respect goes to them. It's when both parties come together and agree. My role in this marriage is to serve you. Man, that's your role. You don't take delight in being the one who is submitted to. No, your role is to submit yourself to the marriage and serve The wife, wife, your job is to submit yourself to the marriage and serve the husband. And when both are happening, when there's that mutual respect and mutual honor in a home, then everybody naturally takes their place. You don't have to figure out whose job is whose job. What about this and what about that? And that's what he's saying here. It's not that a few people get lifted up and, oh, our job is to honor them. No, it's everybody saying, I'm a part of this circle, whatever this circle is. If it's a church, if it's in a house, if it's at work, and I'm going to do my part in showing honor, and we should all do our part in showing honor. There are a couple of different opportunities to show honor. You can show honor to those who are honorable, and that comes easiest, don't it? 
Doesn't it? Don't it? That's Missouri coming out. I mean, I apologize. <laughs> That's the easiest kind of honor to show to somebody who is honorable, somebody you have respect for. Maybe that's what happened this morning. You woke up and you started showing honor to the mother in your house, and it was easy because she's an honorable woman. And it was easy for Annabeth and Jackson and I to honor Amanda because she's a fantastic mom and a fantastic wife. That kind of honor is easy. We see all different kinds of honor in the scripture. We see that kind of honor. Remember when Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem there at the inn? People are lined up along the streets. And what are they saying? Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're waving these palm branches around. And they're, they're throwing their cloaks down on the ground so Jesus can ride over them so that he doesn't have to ride on the bare ground. It was easy to honor Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was honorable. But not everybody is honorable. The other kind of opportunity we have to show honor is to those who have authority over us. We like this honor probably least of all. That's your boss at work. That's the manager who's over you. Government elected officials. We have a role to honor those who are in authority. The New Testament spells it out so clearly. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says to, to honor everyone, to love the brotherhood, to fear God, and to honor the emperor. Now, the emperor was somebody that most people would not want to honor, at least in our culture. The emperor was not a beloved, benevolent leader. Emperors wanted to be worshipped as God and were worshipped as God. They would parade through wanting your praise and your adoration. These are not people who honor. Honoring would come very naturally. But what does Peter say? He says, honor the emperor. So we get the opportunity to honor those who are in authority over us. We also get the opportunity to honor just people because they are made in the image of God. There's a certain dignity and respect that you should show people just because they're a person. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to not think of people as people, but to think of them as a function. Like your waiter, he's not a person, he's a function to help you accomplish your mission, which is to eat. So if that function messes up, we treat it as a function and not as a person. And so we have no problem verbally undressing them in front of all of their co-workers. Why? Because they're a function and not a person. But there should be a, just a basic respect that we should give people because they're made in the image of God. We see this in the scripture with the Good Samaritan. You remember that story that Jesus told about a Jewish man who was traveling. He gets getting beaten up by robbers and three other Jewish men come by. People who should have stopped to help this man as he was bleeding and dying. But they don't. But the Samaritan stops and helps him up. Now the Samaritan and the Jewish people, essentially they were racist against each other. They didn't like each other. They looked down on one another. And so this is the kind of person who should have passed on by based on that racism. But he doesn't. He stops to help. Acknowledging there is a certain amount of respect and dignity and honor that we should give to people because they are people. And so we want to outdo one another in showing honor. Honor is sometimes kind of hard to describe. It's definitely hard to define. It's easier if we can see it in a picture. So I want to show it to you in a picture. Turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, 
When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and he was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So here we see... This in Jesus. He's washing the disciples' feet. Now, we usually think of this story as a story of service and a model of service. And it is definitely that, but it's also a story of honor. See, you remember, this is the first century in Israel. Uh, This is not a place that has running water, you know, so they don't have a a faucet to turn on to wash themselves. Uh, They live in kind of a dusty environment, dusty culture. They don't have sprinklers built into the ground that pop up to water the grass. So in certain seasons, everything goes dry and dusty and it's dirty. And, And so in every house, when you would come in, there would be a bowl and a pitcher. And when you came in dirty and you were coming in to eat or maybe you were coming in to, for the night, you would wash your hands in that bowl. You would pour the water pitcher over your hands and wash your hands in that bowl so that you would be clean. Now, if you were the invited special guest and the person who was inviting you was wealthy, then maybe a servant would wash your hands for you which would be really special. Maybe you've had an experience where somebody has gone out of their way to serve you in some way. Maybe you got bumped up. You were flying coach. You were slumming it in the back of the airplane, but you got bumped up to first class. Uh, We envy you. We grovel at your feet. You know, and maybe you just got to experience that for uh, a brief moment. Maybe you went out for a nice dinner and you had a waiter who just treated you like you were the wealthiest, most powerful person in there, even though you weren't. Uh, Maybe you were just doing something as simple as maybe getting your nails done, but they were just being really respectful and honoring you as you were doing something simple like that. I think hopefully most of us know what it's like to kind of just be overserved. And so if you were an invited guest of a wealthy person, you may be overserved. That servant may have come and washed your hands for you. But look what happens here. Jesus takes that bowl and he takes that pitcher and he picks up the towel. What he's doing is he's becoming the servant. And now his disciples are the honored guests. And he's not just washing their hands. He's washing their feet. He's he's not just serving them. He's showing them honor. He's outdoing everyone else in honor. Now, one of the big questions hanging in the air right now is, what if I don't like that person? I mean, that's what you're thinking right now is I have a list of people in my mind right now and I would rather die, stand before Jesus and get judged by Jesus than honor that person. That's what some of us are thinking. And you don't have to think about your list. You have it immediately. There are people in this world who you do not want to honor. Am I responsible for honoring them? How, how do I honor somebody that I disagree with fundamentally? Well, think about who Jesus is serving here. Think about who Jesus has picked up the towel for, these disciples. We only know about the men, but there may have been some women around there too. Uh, These are not the the most amazing 
uh, collection of men and their moral standing and righteousness ever. I mean, you have Peter here. Jesus is washing his feet. In just a few hours, when Jesus is in his biggest moment of need, he's going to pretend that he doesn't even know Jesus. You have Nathaniel, who when he first heard about Jesus, he heard that Jesus from Nazareth, what does he say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus is washing his feet. You have James and John. Uh, They recently came out of a village that had rejected Jesus. This village had just said, no, Jesus, you just need to move on to the next place. So James and John, they asked Jesus with all seriousness, do you want us to pray uh, so that fire comes down out of heaven and kills that whole village? Jesus is washing their feet. You have Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were a religious party, a political party who believed in using military force to bring about the kingdom of God. And that's what Simon was before he started following Jesus. So you know Simon is the guy who's always talking about politics. Aren't those people always a joy to be around? And Jesus is washing his feet. And then you have Judas. And it says here in John chapter 13 that Satan has already come into Judas and the plan has been set in motion. Judas has already agreed to betray Jesus in just a few hours. It's going to take place. He's going to kiss Jesus on the cheek and Jesus is washing his feet. So yeah, he's lifting up people that are not worthy of being lifted up. He's lifting up people who didn't do a great job of serving him all the time. Now that doesn't mean that honor is just a rubber stamp of approval that we give everybody. It's okay to disagree with people. I mean, we see that over and over again in the scripture. Galatians chapter 2, the apostle Paul confronts the apostle Peter to his face because he didn't feel like Peter was doing the right thing. So there's room for disagreement, but there's not room for dishonor among the people of God. And so it may be hard to honor people who you don't really feel like honoring, but it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility as someone who follows Jesus because this is the model that Jesus has given us. So what do we do? What are the steps? Because here's the, here's the reality. When you leave today, you're going to feel like not honoring people right now. And, and we're hearing from the scripture, okay, I'm supposed to do this. But you're not magically going to change your feelings about that person when you leave. They could have done you, you know, they could be doing you wrong every single week. It may be your boss and they're just treating you poorly every single day, every single week. It's going to be hard for you to feel differently about them. So what can we do to start moving towards honoring people? The simplest thing is we can just guard our mouth. Because most of the time, when I dishonor people, I do it with my mouth. Not when they're there in front of them, but when they're far enough away that I know they're not going to find out about it. Plus, remember, when you speak, you're not just speaking to somebody else. You're also speaking to yourself. And when you speak to yourself, when you hear yourself say things, it reaffirms that belief in you. I'll give you an example from a different area. When Amanda and I were first uh, dating, somewhere along the, the way, we fell into this great habit of we do not admit that other people are attractive. You know, so she can be reading a magazine and, you know, she makes some comment about some woman who's, you know, really pretty. And, and I know that, like, no, that's, no, that's a trap, you know? Like, don't fall into that because we have this rule, you know? And I'm like, eh. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's what we did. And I don't know why we started doing that, probably just because I was super insecure, but I love that that's a rule in our family. That I know wherever Amanda is, and she knows wherever I am, 
I'm not lifting up the beauty of some other woman and she's not lifting up the handsomeness of some other man. Why? Because we're married. And there's one woman on earth that I'm allowed to be attracted to and just one. And there's one man that she's allowed to be attracted to, just one. But if we started hearing ourselves talk about the attractiveness of somebody else, you know what that reaffirms? It reaffirms that I'm attracted to somebody else. And listen, you know, we both know I'm not Brad Pitt. This is not some kind of delusional fantasy. But what I have found in my life, and I think the scripture affirms, is that your mouth follows your mind and your mind follows your mouth. Yeah, you said that thing the first because it was in your mind. But when you said it, it reaffirmed it to your mind. So when you and I dishonor people with our mouths, what it reaffirms to us is that they are dishonorable people and that we should not honor them. And some of us have been dishonoring someone for so long that even if they change, we have already cemented in our mind that they are not worthy of honor. So you don't have to do some grand gesture this week to start bringing this into your life. Let's just try not to dishonor anybody with our mouths. And maybe our minds will follow our mouths we stop speaking about people, maybe we'll stop thinking about them in that way as well. I want you to see a few things here about Jesus and how he's able to honor these, these disciples. He honors them for one reason, that he's, he's confident about who he is. Look at verse one. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, so he knows the time, he knows where he's going, Then look what it says in verse three. Jesus, knowing that the Father has given all things into his his hands, he knows what he has. And that he had come from God. He knows where he comes from. And that he was going back to God. He knows where he's going. He rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. See, Jesus is able to lift up these men above himself in this moment because he's confident about who he is. See, insecure people, Don't honor people. If you're an insecure person, you will find honor very, very difficult. Why? Because for number one, insecure people, we like to be the center of attention. If people are being praised, if we are insecure, we're the ones who want to be praised. I mean, Jesus could have taken this for himself. He's the patriarch here at this Passover. That was a big deal. That was an honorable deal. That you meant you were the leader of whatever family that you were on and in, and you got to tell the story of how God had rescued your ancestors. That was an important place to be. And listen, Jesus could have said, hey, I know what's coming. I know that you guys are gonna betray me in a little bit and I know I'm gonna be arrested and I know that I'm gonna suffer. I know that's coming. This is my moment of honor. It's all downhill from here. So I'm just gonna be honored right now. So if anybody's feet should be washed, you should honor me me and wash my feet. But he didn't do that because he wasn't insecure. He didn't need to be the center of attention. He didn't need to be the one lifted up. You know, sometimes I have a hard time honoring people because I uh, fall under this lie that there's a limited amount of honor to go around. And if honor comes to you, that's less honor that could come to me. You know, maybe you're a teacher and 
there's a teacher in your school that's just amazing and is finishing the year so strong and had some great, you know, test scores come back and, you know, you kind of want to say something to, to build them up and to encourage them. But you're thinking, man, if I do that, then maybe they're not going to come back around to me or, you know, they're going to hear me praising th- that person and then everybody else is going to praise that person. There's not going to be anybody left to praise me. Like there's some finite amount of honor to go around. Psalm 84 verse 11 says the Lord bestows favor and honor. Listen, there's more than enough favor in the universe for you to find some if you're honorable. He wasn't insecure. So he was okay with these guys getting lifted up. Insecure people also, if they don't want to be the center of attention, instead of honoring people, they'll just flatter people. Flattery and honor are not the same thing. Flattery has a selfish motive. Flattery is selfishness clothed in compliments. Still a need, an impure, unholy, dishonorable desire in us, an insecure desire in us that causes us to flatter people. Just tell them the things that they want to hear so they'll tell us the things that we want to hear. That's not honor. Maybe you're not an honorable person, not because you don't want to be, but because you're so terrified of not being honored. And if you could just become confident about who God has made you to be and what he's made you to do, honor may come more naturally. And then look at what else Jesus has in his heart and his mind that would cause him to honor these men in this way. Verse one, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 5, and he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel. So we see in Jesus, the honor is the fusion of humility and love. And both things had to be there for Jesus to do this to these men. He had to love them and he had to be willing to humble himself because he doesn't wash their hands, he washes their feet. Again, these are grown men who live in a culture that's dusty and dry certain times of the year, no paved roads, dirty feet. I mean, just imagine if I said, oh, surprise this morning, we're gonna do a foot washing ceremony and everybody's gonna come up here and get your turn, have your turn, having your feet washed. Some of you are like, I gotta go. I can't, I'm not sticking around for that. Everybody's self-conscious about their feet and for good reason, man, they're feet. If you're proud of your feet, man, you're weird. But Jesus, he picks up the towel and he takes not their hands. Then he takes their dirty feet and he cleans them because he was humble. Men, how much pride would you have to swallow to wash the feet of your coworkers tomorrow? Women, how much pride would you have to swallow to wash the feet of your peers, the other moms that pick up at your school, the other ladies in the office you're trying to outdress and outdo and out vacation? How much pride would you have to swallow to get down on your knees, pour water over their feet? Most of us have never done it because that cup of pride is too big for us to choke down. But Jesus does it. He lifts up these men. 
and he honors them. Could you build a house of honor wherever you have influence? Maybe in your home, it's a culture of dishonor right now. It's whatever comes to your mind and comes through your mouth is fair game to say. No one is praised in your home. No one is encouraged in your home. Maybe it's not your home. Maybe it's your office. And in your office, there's this culture of criticism and negativity. But you are the kingdom of God bearing fruit in that place. Could you do what you could do? What you can do in your power to turn that place into a house of honor. Because we're supposed to outdo one another. Not in what we can attain for ourselves, but in how low we can go. How we can pick up the towel and honor people. Now you may be thinking, well, I don't really want to honor anybody. Why should I? No one has ever honored me. I'm overlooked. I'm unnoticed. I'm put upon. I'm just a workhorse at my office. I'm just a function. I'm the waiter at the table. No one ever notices me. No one ever looks me in the eyes. Everyone is begrudging to me when they have to leave their tip. Why should I be a person who honors when I've never tasted honor one time myself? You have tasted honor. You have experienced it. Because Jesus, he picks up the towel And he goes around and he washes the feet of these disciples. And then he puts down the towel and he probably leaves it in that upper room. And they go to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus begins to pray. He prays and he prays and he prays. And the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Our sin being placed upon him. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying for the strength to do what he needed to do for you and I, he picked up the towel again. And he carried the towel when they arrested him. And he carried the towel when they tried him. And they carry, he carried the towel when they beat him. And he carried the towel when they strapped the cross to his back. And he carried the towel when he, when he hauled the cross uh, out, out of the city of Jerusalem and up onto the hill. And he carried the towel when they laid him out on the cross. And he carried the towel when they put nails in his hands. And he carried the towel when they put nails in his feet. And they, he carried the towel when, he, when they hung him up in the noonday sun. And he carried the towel when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he carried the towel when he said, it is finished. And because he carried the towel, you in him are sons of God, daughters of God. You are co-heirs with Jesus, which means there's an inheritance coming to Jesus which he has invited you to share with him the scripture says because Jesus carried the towel you're not just seated here in Houston, Texas you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God in Christ so no one here this morning can say I've never been honored you have been honored in one act that is more than we would deserve in an entire lifetime. You have been honored. And because Jesus carried the towel for you, he became the servant and you became the honored guest. And you should pick up the towel too and honor someone else. Let's pray. And Jesus, we're thankful that in our sin and in our humanity, you 
lifted us up. Jesus, we are unworthy to be called your friends. We are unworthy to be called the sons and daughters of God. We are unworthy to be called co-heirs with you. But we receive it. We receive it today. In the name of Jesus, we receive it. So I pray that you would help us to move towards being honorable people. And I pray that that would start here. I pray that Bayou City Fellowship would always be a house of honor. Would always be a house where people carry around their towels of service and humility. In Jesus' name.